Welcome to the Ready Eddy Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk about our membership program. Uh, we recently broke a pretty big milestone. We have over 100 startups and small businesses on the platform offering up to 50% off all their product and gear. If you're like me and you're always looking for a new uh, backpack or new gear for your addictions, whether it's skiing, snowboarding, camping, surfing, whatever it is related to the outdoors, you can hop onto this membership and peruse all of the brands. We're constantly adding new ones um, to really support all of your outdoor activities. We also have a number of travel companies. So if you're looking to take a trip, whether it's to Machu Picchu, South America, wherever, um, you can save on that as well. We also have a number of food brands, whether you need a new energy bar or you just need to, f- you want to find something uh, that's different and check it out. You can f- save while doing it. Um, you can also apply to become an ambassador for a lot of these brands. There's a ton of perks. So if you are interested in checking this out, head over to readyeddy.com slash members and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Like saving money on your car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ saves you money on your life insurance for living a health-conscious lifestyle. Learn more and get a free quote at healthiq.com slash readyyeti. What is going on, Ready Yeti Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. And on today's episode, I'm sitting down with the, the founders of Grass Racks, Evan Hayash and Andrew Lees, which I think I said that right, but you guys can you correct it. me. <laughs> you got it. Yep. Nice. Um, awesome. Well, guys, I'm so stoked to have you guys on the, on the show. Yeah, thanks for having us, Josh. Yeah, I love being on it. Definitely. So for the listener that is not aware of Grass Racks and what you guys do, how would you guys best describe your business to someone? Uh, we make premium organizational products for boards from anything from a skateboard snowboard uh paddle board um so we make bamboo board racks that's that's basically uh, what we do in a nutshell what made you decide this is what we're gonna do so i was um i'm a product designer engineer and i also surf snowboard um paddle board skateboard so i have all these boards lying around and literally lying around so I thought, hey, I want to I want to put them up, display them and organize them as well. So I started looking around o- online and try and find something that worked and it just everything seems so junky. There's a lot of plastic, a lot of junky wood and metal and you know, things you might be okay with putting in your garage, but definitely not putting up in your living room. So uh I thought, hey, why don't I just make it? So I I started designing and then I got a template and jigsaw and then, you know, one super crude prototype later, I had something going. It might might have looked a little phallic or, you know, whatever, but uh, it worked. I think the first <laughs> one you made actually had some sort of clamp device on it, didn't it? Yeah, that was that was the big thing in the beginning was, hey, how do we get this? Uh, I, I didn't just want to have an angled piece of wood on the wall that you could throw something on, but I wanted to look. I wanted to look deeper into how do you make it easier for people to install these things. That's where the our unique mounting bar system came from, and it, it started really like I had some some weird things, clamps and 
all kinds of stuff that was, you know, designed to kind of make it so you could slide the, the cradles around. But simple is always better. And we ended up on this very simple bar. You mount to the wall and then the cradles hook on and can be adjusted any, any way you want. I think what Andy didn't mention is that uh, when we were in our early 20s, obviously, young males have no idea how to decorate an apartment. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so we had all this stuff that we thought looked really great, but it was, you know, hidden in in closets and basements and stuff. So we just needed stuff to go on our walls. And, you know, as as young guys, that was kind of the stuff that we were the most proud of. So definitely. Well, and as a, I mean, I'm a designer. I like designy things, but it's product design. So I have no idea how to decorate a room, but <laughs> at least we've got bamboo board racks now. Yeah, and no, I think that's a good point. It's like when someone says they're a lawyer, you would think they know everything about all law. <laughs> yeah. right, but in right. reality, they don't. They just have their very specific uh, expertise. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Okay, so tell me a little bit about your backgrounds, guys. How you're, you currently run this business in, in Pennsylvania. How did you get to this ultimate point where you guys always super active in the outdoors and like know that eventually you wanted to start your own business? Yeah, we actually, so uh, we'll try and go through it quickly, but we actually went to a prep school together in Malvern and we, we played tennis together. We were really good friends and I think we were both kind of always outdoor athletes. Andy was always kind of the board guy, like skating, snowboarding, surfing. And I was more like the skier, biker type of guy. So I knew at least when I was in high school, I I never wanted to work for someone. Um, that just was never going to be my plan. And I was just looking for whatever my my career was going to be. And Andy, actually, you went the the engineering route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got um I got into engineering, and then I thought I went to Lehigh University up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and I I thought I wanted to do aerospace engineering, which so I got a minor in that. And then I, you know, I thought, all right, I'll work for, you know, I'll work for NASA or Boeing or, you know, some big company. And then I realized two things that I didn't want to work for a big company. And the reason I got into engineering in the first place was because I was always inventing things as a kid. I was always tearing things apart, putting them back together. And that's, why I got into it and I could just kind of uh, lost that focus. So towards the end of, of uh, Lehigh, I got back into that kind of thing. And I was always entrepreneurial, I always knew I wanted to start a business. I just didn't know what and how. So I, st- I got into product design a couple years out of, out of school and just kind of honed that and got uh, better and better at, at designing things. And then I, I, you know, with, with the intention always of designing something for myself that I could then market and sell. But I had no idea how to market or sell anything. <laughs> so then yeah. Yeah, then that now was the next do. yeah. Now now we know we have a little better idea. So That's- yeah, well, I mean we weren't we weren't ever, you know, like professional athletes. Uh we were just two guys that loved being outdoors and loved being, you know, having boards under our feet. Um and we wanted to do whatever we could to to stay in those industries and contribute back to the the very industries that we loved. Definitely. Now, so this is in 2011, 2012, when you started tinkering and making the first version um, of, of one of your racks? Yes, sir. So mm-hmm. what was, from that first one that you guys built that had a clamp <laughs> involved, 
to what you guys offer now, what, what was that process like and how did you really fine tune it to um, really the point where you're like, wow, this is pretty unique and there's really no one out there that's really creating a product quite like this? Uh, well, that's where we saw, you know, in the beginning we had this rack and we had this idea of, of just creating something that looked better and worked better. The longer we spent in our market, we realized that there just wasn't, there was this huge disconnect between how people feel about their gear and how they treat it. A lot of times you're, say you're going to buy a snowboard or a pair of skis, you know, you're looking at those skis online for, at least in my case, for months almost and deciding, you know, what kind of skis you want. And then you go to the mountain and you demo them. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this purchase of yours. And it's, you know, it's not just money. It is a ton of money, but it's also, you know, how it helps you ride the mountain and how it makes you feel, how the artwork looks. Um, And then bindings and all said and done, you know, you have this setup that's like over a thousand bucks. And then, you know, to just go home after the season and and, uh, throw them in your basement for five months is is kind of crazy to us so from that first model that we made you know we just kept tweaking so we originally had what three or four SKUs, and then we we expanded it i think we ended up with like 55 at the max right right yeah um, we had we had a lot we went a little crazy yeah, for a while but then yeah. we've we've kind of excited yeah we've kind of focused it <laughs> so yeah we <laughs> got to this- down this point where we had like 55 SKUs and we trimmed it down. We said, all right, this stuff's not selling. This stuff kind of cannibalizes other, other products that we have. We just don't need all of it. And so I think we're sitting at 30 right now, but you know, every year we would just go back and be like, all right, uh, snowboard racks, great, but we need another inch um, that the board and bindings sit from the wall. Also the board should be like another three quarters of an inch from the, from each other so there's more space for the bindings um, we want the angle to be whatever like 60 instead of 55 degrees and we just yeah. kind of kept tweaking you know what was most space efficient what shipped the best for us what allowed people to see their stuff the easiest and and what allowed them to grab their stuff quickly because you know our first ski rack people were like these are so awesome it shows our stuff really great but you know, if I have all my skis there, I can only get the top ones. I can't take the other ones out. So lots of tinkering and, and minute changes over four or five years. And we ended up with a pretty, pretty awesome product. We got a lot of feedback from customers too, just to improve, just ideas to improve the product. Some things we, you know, we decided to implement some things that it didn't make sense to, but you know, if we, um, even if one out of 10 customers said, Hey, you know, my bindings jam up against the wall. Can you guys, you know, just, just to keep in mind, can you guys, you know, make the arms a little bigger? Yes. But like Evan said, space, space the rack off the wall a little bit. So my bindings clear and we, we listen to all that and, you know, it makes sense to just make changes so that, you know, all our customers in the future benefit from it. So that's definitely super helpful, um, is to, to just learn as you go. You're, it's not going to be perfect. So Definitely. Now, so we've talked about a few different activities, but just for the, so the listener is aware, you guys co- cover quite a few different uh, outdoor activities from skiing, snowboarding, biking, uh, surfing, skateboarding. Is there any I'm missing <laughs> in that? Outboarding, uh, wakeboarding, water skiing, um, <laughs> 
we really just make these racks and they're pretty versatile. You know, people will buy our ski racks and they'll send us pictures with paddleboard uh, paddles on them or fishing rods, really anything. I mean, yeah. uh, my parents have a, a ton in their house and they just hang ridiculous stuff. So it's <laughs> um, like, dad, that was not meant for extension cords, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> That's awesome. About it. <laughs> now, is there anything in particular that um, you'd say is uh, unique about you or one of your products, or your business that not that many people know about? Yeah. Um, oh, so many things. Where do we begin? <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, our first product, our first brand was actually not grass racks. When we got out of college, we invented this thing called the Pong Triangle. And what it was, was a beer pong rack. And it looked like a pool triangle, or uh, yeah, pool triangle that would re-rack balls. A flat piece of plastic with holes in it. And the cups would kind of sit in the holes. And then when you lifted it up, it would rack all the solo cups perfectly. And you would just set it down flat on the table. So, you know, I mean, if anyone has ever played beer pong that's listening, hopefully a few thousand people, um, you know, cups slide and they get out of they get out of whack and, and people get really crazy about it. But um, this kind of was like an easy, fun way to have something with your school's logo or, you know, for in our case, like Eagles stuff or uh, flyer stuff, you know, printed on there. Um, but also it was something to like make the game a little bit better. So. Uh, what we ended up realizing is that instead of buying a fifteen dollar uh, beer pong rack, people would rather just buy fifteen dollars more beer. <laughs> so that was yeah. like one of our yeah, yeah yeah one of our crash courses of business. Yeah, it's a perfect uh, product for college, except that every in college everybody measures anything. It everything is compared to a case of beer. Yeah, so it's like, wow, that that is that costs thirty dollars. So two cases of beer, or one decent case of beer, or mm-hmm. four really bad cases of beer. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and it just didn't didn't work out, and the cost ended up being um, just too high. So we weren't able to get the cost of goods low enough that it, it, may, it ever made sense. And that was that was a, a really big learning experience for us because we just always thought, oh, you. You know, if you want to make it, you can just make it and sell it and it, it will sell. But you really have to have the cost of of what you're making and be low enough and the uh, retail price be high enough. So you've got enough margin in there that it, it makes sense to actually do business. You can't like lose money forever. So definitely it was a good thing to learn. You cannot if there's <laughs> one takeaway, you cannot lose money forever. <laughs> Not forever. A little bit. Yeah, for a, a short period of time. You shouldn't, at least. <laughs> yeah. Unless you raise a shit ton of money. <laughs> Even then, it's better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Did you guys have a, a mentor over the course of, of uh, starting Grass Racks, or did you sort of just use your past experiences to really help you guys figure it out? Um, kind of neither. We didn't have a mentor, and we had no, no real past experience. Uh, so I... I'm a mentor for uh, young startups in in Devon, Pennsylvania. I work at a startup incubator space called the Uncommon Individual Foundation, um, and it's a mentoring program. Um, and we work with young startups like that. But Andy and I really didn't have any. Um, we both collectively know people that are are super successful in their respective industries, but no one had 
that experience that we needed, you know, uh, really great finance people and uh, engineers and, you know, people in the music business as well. Um, but what we really needed was someone that knew online sales and how to build a brand, how to make websites and graphic design. And we knew some marketing and engineering, but we really never had um, a true mentor. But it is, again, something that we believe in super strongly. It's just someone that can can help you from from making all these mistakes that they have probably made in the past is invaluable. How do you guys um, make sure that um, all the racks that you guys are making are in a sustainable way and really just running the whole business with that in mind? You know, that is really our main focus. We, you know, we started Grass Racks to make gear for our, for our peers gear. Um, <laughs> would that come out right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, we obviously want to make really great stuff and we do. Um, but, you know, my personal philosophy has always been if you're going to make something and it's not going to be neutral or or somehow beneficial for the environment, then why are you doing it? You know, if you're going to a job and you're not helping improve the world some somehow, then why are you doing that job? You know, we have we have so many issues in our world today um, and we can point fingers all we want. The fact that. We need to be making better decisions every day, um, not as as brands only, but as consumers. Um, you know, we have to be more responsible, educated consumers. We have to demand f- more from our brands, and our brands, our companies, really have to you know start setting the example and say, um, we're going to be the ones that are are making responsible products, so you have choices that you know that reflect the the views that you say that you have. Um, you can't, you know, you can't say you believe in something and then go online and, and choose an inferior brand that's not, you know, protecting the environment just because you save 14 cents and get free shipping. You know, um, we all have to be a little bit more cognizant of how our decisions affect the world around us. I feel like I, I didn't rant too much on that one. No, you just went right at it. And here we are. And nailed it. I think. Yeah, (laughs) I like it. It's good. Uh, did that answer your question? So, so in terms of our brand, um, I mean, the bamboo is really the big one. Um, it's obviously super sustainable. It is incredible at, at cleaning the air uh, and the atmosphere from from carbon and sequestering it back into the ground where it can't um, be as harmful for us. Uh, it reduces soil erosion. It can be used as housing material. Um, it grows you know, 20 times faster than trees and creates all this usable lumber. Um, you know, trees are great too, because they're renewable, but, um, you know, you think about those FSC, uh, certifications and it's like, Oh, well we're using wood and we're doing all this responsible, uh, replanting and, and all of our forests that we, um, harvest from are, are certified in all these great ways. And it's like, all right, well, bamboo, you know, you cut this stuff down and it's regrown in two to five years. Um, it doesn't have to grow a new root system. It just, it grows like a grass because it is a grass. So, um, bamboo is an easy one for us. Um, we try to make tweaks, you know, as we go and we actually just made a big switch. Um, we were finishing our, our products with a lacquer finish, um, which is what most product manufacturers do, um, furniture manufacturers, but we ended up finding this company through a family friend, actually. It's called Vermont Natural Coatings. 
Um, and this guy, this, this company is amazing. Um, they have this, this organic dairy farm up in Vermont and it's, it's like a little family farm. Um, and when they make milk products and cheese and stuff, they, they have whey protein as a byproduct. Um, and the guy, Andrew, who owns it, uh, not our Andrew, um, he worked with a local university, um, and they developed this finish made from the whey protein, which is like incredibly robust. Um, it actually performs better than any of the, the high VOC um, lacquers and finishes that we tested before this. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like oh, a little ingenuity and we have this thing that's not harmful for the environment. Um, it's not bad for the people that are spraying it. Um, and it's something that otherwise may not have been used, but now it's protecting our products. So that's so interesting. It's funny. Every time I do one of these interviews and I ask that question, I always learn something new (laughs) because you just don't realize it when you're constantly buying things, which everyone is, (laughs) you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like how much crap just gets wasted or just could be done better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, like I, I knew the fact about bamboo because one of the brands that we work with, Slant Skis, they, their whole thing is bamboo cores with their skis. And they, they're a huge proponent of the fact that it grows back in two to five years. And it's a, I think he, the term was like super um, oxygen producer or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if that's the actual term or whatever. And I was like, could oh, be. So totally like interesting things that I just never would have thought about, except for like when you start to like immerse yourself in a business that's focused around that, right? You're like, wow, I kind of didn't realize all of this exists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All these different pieces. Um, So with this, you guys do all the manufacturing in house. Oh yeah. We have a, we have a few partners around the country that we work with. um, And we've, we've kind of set it up that way um, just so we can start working more remotely and, and working on more of the stuff that we want to. Um, yeah, we've we work with a few shops uh, in the U.S. Actually, we it was important to us to keep it in the U.S. Um, even though a lot of American manufacturers make it really hard to work here, um, it's it's tough finding a good manufacturer that has you know good quality and good pricing in here. So um, we kind of understand why people go overseas. But um, no, we you know in the beginning we were. Um, cutting and sanding, branding, finishing everything by hand um, in our shop, but it just got it got too tough just the two of us to to do all of it. So um, we do have a we have some strategic partners over the country, but they're all you know small uh, kind of mom and pop shops. So yeah, when we were doing everything by hand, uh, the two of us it was uh, it was pretty much like the wild west. It was pretty <laughs> pretty interesting, but. Um, it, it, the the problem that we saw with that was that our we were spending all our time taking care of the you know the few orders we had at the time and not trying to figure out how to get our products in front of more people and so our sales were like you know just stagnant and we couldn't you know we couldn't figure out as soon as we you know so we decided that we needed some help with that and as soon as we we were you know we freed ourselves up to do more of the customer service and marketing and, and building the brand and getting in front of more people. That's when things started taking off more. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think that's a really smart move. So what, what does a normal day look like for the both of you guys? Oh boy. <laughs> if there is one, <laughs> there's no normal. Um, do you want to, 
Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's not a straight path. You know, we think we're going to do X, Y, Z in a certain order. And and then we just get pulled off onto, you know, a bunch of different things and then have to work our way way back to make sure that we're on on task and, and everything. But it all has to be done. And, you know, it's just uh, it ends up being a bunch of a you, bunch. You went very macro with this. Oh, yeah. I went macro. I was going to be pulled, like, yeah, I wake up back to micro. at 645 and I have an organic <laughs> free trade banana and one of Uncle Gerald's everything bagels with cream cheese. Oh, yeah. See, I can't remember what I had for no. breakfast yesterday. So that <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> we wear all hats. So uh, for me, a normal day is I wake up. Hopefully, there are a few orders waiting on my phone when I check it. Um, lately, there have been many of those, which is the best. Um, but we'll get up and, you know, I'll check, you know, what orders came in. Um, I'll look at my list, you know, do we have to talk to, to, uh, the guys at Vermont natural coatings or our manufacturing partners? Um, do we have to promote ready anymore? Probably, um, <laughs> you know, uh, do a little accounting. Um, what else? I mean, it's funny. We, we pretty much do everything every day. You know, are there any design tweaks we have to make? Um, what, what holidays are upcoming that we have to promote or, um, any racks that we need to do, you know, blogs for, or, um, you know, any advertising stuff like that. So, um, mm-hmm. obviously a healthy dose of gym and watching art of flight. Mm-hmm. So that's always good. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Um, so what, what's been one of the hardest parts about starting and building grass racks? I mean, the, the hardest part is uh i think you know it's just getting started and kind of getting getting some trying to figure out what um what to do you know not getting back to that last question now we kind of know we know what um what tasks we need to you know to accomplish on a daily basis and we we have a really good idea of what it takes to um you know to market our product and to you know, maintain the website and make sure that our products are being manufactured correctly. We know all those things. But for me, when we started the the business, I didn't even know what the next thing I was supposed to do. Yeah. And that, that was one of the hardest things for me is, is just to, just to learn as we go. Like at, at first I didn't even know what I was supposed to do to fill my time to get things going and to really push the product forward. I think when we started, um, you know, we saw that commercial where they, you know, these internet sales company, they like press the launch button and their sales start out at one. And then in two seconds, they're up to like a million dollars. <laughs> I think we saw that too many times uh, before we started. But, you know, we really didn't know. You know, Andrew was a great engineer and he had experience with that. And I, you know, I thought I knew a lot about marketing because I had just graduated from college. Um but we really didn't know. And, and I think a lot of these entrepreneurs don't know. Um, a lot of the ones that I work with, they're normally good at one thing, you know, and that's kind of their trade and their skill. Um, but, you know, you don't really know how to, if you're an engineer, you don't have to know how to do marketing or accounting or, you know, how to get your product in front of people. Um, and that was stuff that we didn't know. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't even know what we didn't know. Um, but over the past four or five years, you learn. And I think you go to trade shows. That's like my one suggestion. If you're going to start a company, go to the trade show and just walk around and meet people and see what products there are and how they do stuff. Yeah, at least um, at least one. Just kind of a, a crash course. 
Oh yeah. Uh, and I mean, it really, yeah, at least one, I mean, we've gone to a few and we don't need, feel the need to go every single year, but still want to, it's still one. Yeah, of I course. Um, we've, we've <laughs> gone to surf expo a few times and, and, uh, that's, yeah, it's amazing. And, um, but yeah, that's right. I mean, just kind of getting back to your point, but mm-hmm. Hey everyone, just a quick thank you to our sponsor who helped make the Ready Eddie podcast possible, Health IQ. If you listen to this podcast, you're more than likely a pretty active person. At some point in your life, you're going to need life insurance, so why not benefit from your active lifestyle? It shouldn't be a surprise to you that being active increases your longevity. Reward yourself for all the effort you've put into staying active. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people, including runners, cyclists, triathletes, strength trainers, vegans, and more. Learn more and get a free quote at healthiq.com slash ready yeti. Was there a couple things that you guys did marketing-wise that really helped you guys get out there and help the growth? Yeah, you know, um, it's funny because it changes too. Uh, in the beginning, you know, we did a lot of Facebook and social media stuff. Um, and then, you know, algorithms change and now you have to spend a lot of money to get in front of people. Um, you know, we did, it was more like strategic partners. So we would do giveaways, um, kind of like the amazing giveaway that we're doing with Ready Yeti right <laughs> now, <laughs> um, depending on when everyone's listening to this. Um, yeah, I think it was people want free stuff. So if you can, you know, give it away to people that have have influence, we've had some some people review our products that were great. Um, some people with big followings that would uh, use our stuff. That's that's awesome. You know, we're not big enough to like sponsor the um, the X Games or anything like that. But um, you know, it was it was a lot of stuff like that where people get our products, they write a review, other people see it. I think that was super useful and really cost effective. Um, other than that, you know, sometimes we do advertising and it's a dud, and sometimes it's a it's a hit. But um, social media, I think, in the beginning was great. Um, it gets tougher and tougher every every day because more people um, use it and overuse it. Um, so it just becomes more and more noise, but, uh, really, I think really getting your product into, into people's hands. Um, our customers have been awesome too. You know, they leave reviews, they tell their friends. I can't, I can't even think about how many people have, we get a lot of emails before we get orders too. And just, you know, these people are like, Hey, I saw this at my friend's place. It looks awesome. So I wanted to buy this. Is this what I need? Um, and that, I really like that. That's kind of what we were going for. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, you know, it's a slow start to get, you need to get the, your product in a few people's hands and so that they can show their friends and they can leave reviews. But once that starts to happen, it, you know, things, um, things happen organically. So it, it takes a while, but I mean, that's, that's the, the most important thing I think are, are really Right. Or, or review. I mean, I'd say reviews. If you had to point to one thing that, yeah. that helps sales the most, that and Instagram's been pretty, pretty great for us. Instagram's been great. Yeah. It's yeah. A, just a great um, visual for our, for our product. And that's, that's one of the hardest things 
of online sales is if we could have people look, you know, firsthand at our product and and touch and feel it somehow through the interwebs. Um, that is, that's, you know, what we're trying to converge on, right. Is, is, um, is, you know, improving that experience as much as we can and, and demonstrating the value of our product through a computer screen. Um, so, so that, you know, that's, that's a challenge, but that the, the more that we can do that, the better Instagram helps with that because it's just a great visual and people really like kind of connect with our, our product through, through that. And I guess that only works if you have a good product. Like we really focus well, yeah. on making, you know, we actually get a lot of, of customers that come back and go, I thought this would be great. Um, and it's way better than you guys um, make it out to be online, which is a great compliment. Also probably means that we need, need much better product photos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, I think if you don't, I, I look at some of these brands that are out there and they just want to make the cheapest, quickest, uh, dollar like how are the, how are they surviving because someone gets their product and I'm like eh, well it's okay i guess but it does what i needed it to do but well and i think that kind of goes back to um to the organic growth mm-hmm. if you have a really quality product that people share um and their friends just they, they might not even tell their friends but they see it uh on the wall and they're like hey i need one of those um if it's crappy, they're not going to do that. So, you know, if you're making a cheap product, you might have more, maybe more margin in it because it costs nothing to make it. And you can, you you can make all this margin and, and you just use, use that to um, use like a big marketing budget to just throw it at hundreds of thousands of people. You might get a bunch of sales, but then that's those sales aren't necessarily going to turn into, into more sales by themselves. So then you constantly have to feed that that um, advertising machine. Whereas, you know, with us, if we can just make a great product and people share it word of mouth, we didn't have to we didn't have to do any more work to get those referral sales. What has uh, growth been like since you guys got started? Ooh, there's a question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really great, Josh. Um, like a like a just like a hockey stick yeah Yeah. always (laughs) um it was very slow in the beginning um people you know people would get our products and they'd love them and that was great but we've been bootstrapping since day one so we never really had a budget it was one of those things where we would make a rack and we'd buy one or no we would sell it we we don't buy them (laughs) Um, we sell it and someone buys it and then we get you know, whatever amount of money in, then we can make two racks and then we sell those and we can make four. So, but, um, you know, it's, it's picked up. We, we also had some things that kind of halted us in our tracks. Like we had to make some changes with manufacturing, um, and, and resource better material bamboo. Um, we originally had three partners, but now we are two. Um, we're all still really good friends, which is awesome. Um, but things where, you know, we're growing like crazy and now we hit a roadblock and it plateaus and then we're growing like crazy again and another plateau. But, um, in the past year or two, we've gotten to a really good place where I think in the last two years, we've had uh 30 or more percent growth every year, which is mm-hmm. kind of what we want. I mean, obviously we'd love to make a hundred or 200%, but, um, 30 is not bad. So yeah, we're, we're growing. 
Is that we're we are growing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll say that one one thing that just makes growth with a a product, um, a physical product, interesting is inventory management, and oh, God, yeah. you know you actually have to pay for for your inventory uh, before you sell it. You know, so. I mean, you have to you have to buy the material and the finishing and all all that stuff, and and so that's it, you're sort of you're investing, you're you're making some money, and then you're kind of usually investing that right back into make making some more. Like Evan said, you uh, we sell two, and then we make you know, or we sell one, and we make a couple more, and then we you know, it just just keeps going like that. So, but but recently, the our our growth has kind of taken us to a point where we're getting beyond. We're actually, you know, a little bit more sustainable and yeah, well, definitely sustainable. But yeah, there's money in our bank there's account. There's money now. in the, the account. Best. Yeah, it's right in there. That's yeah. <laughs> so. How did you do that? <laughs> yeah. How did that yeah. No, it's good. It's exciting. For the first time, almost ever, we have a real marketing budget. It's still small. I mean, it's a humble budget, but it is there. Yeah, no, and that's that's like it's funny because like I've done this where it's just like, all right, this is our goal. I just want to get to this threshold, right? And then you hit it, and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> nobody move, <laughs> yeah, nobody like, touch it, <laughs> yeah, nobody. What happened? How did we do that? <laughs> it's like I have to come up with a new goal now, right? That's how this yeah. works. <laughs> yeah, that's how this works. Yeah, yeah, it's, but, the growth is crazy. It's like it's all right. It's slowly working. This momentum is good. It's just got to keep it going. And then you start worrying about other things, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like the fear of it just all of a sudden not working anymore. Yeah, don't slide don't away. Say that. Yeah. <laughs> We're knocking on bamboo right now. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so, what advice would you give to someone that wanted to start a business, whether it was in the outdoor industry or really just a business in general? Um, I would go back to the mentor thing. Yeah, that's a quicker way of learning some really key things that will help you avoid mistakes um, in the beginning. Me or you could do it the way that that we did, and just sort of it was like pound your head against the wall for a while until we figured out what what worked. But yeah, and I think especially as a mentor, um, I see it a lot where people have these really ideas that they're very passionate about, but they haven't really done their homework. And I think I think it's easy to get carried away with a product and be like, "This is the best! I just had this awesome idea," and you get excited because you're about to start something new, but. Um, you really kind of not necessarily curb it, but make sure you do your homework, you know, do your research is something, uh, similar already out there. Um, are you really adding something to the market that is going to help and is going to be good quality and people are going to take to, yeah, I think that would be my biggest advice and make it simple. You know, as I mean, when you're just, when you're developing a product, there's, there's a tendency to, with my uh, engineering consulting work, when I do uh, product development for other people, um, you know, I, I see some pretty pretty wild things, and they're super complicated. And my, I always try and simplify uh, the design, and and that's that's something that you want to do is just come up with something that's that's very simple that solves a, a problem, and that that isn't very cost intense, you know. Re- Minimize the cost that it takes to get something up and running. Um, that that's something. If you've got this, you might have this amazing idea that could work, but if it takes a million dollars to get it started, 
and you have no idea where to get a million dollars, it's going to be pretty tough. So mm-hmm. simple product, get it started, get some sales and and learn the marketing uh, because at the end of the day, it's just, you know, making a, a really good product that people want. And then that marketing is and learning how to do that is is so key. And it's an art. It's not really, you know, there's some science to it for sure. And there's uh, formula formulatic formulaic formulaic formulations <laughs> uh words uh, yeah there's you know there's there's definitely w- scientific ways of doing that but you know you kind of have to find what works for your uh, market and for your product but that's so key is to really learn that as quickly as possible after you've got a product to sell where where do you see grass rack going in the next year five years ten years down the road Five years, I think, if we could get into a little bit more into home and and create these alternatives to to some of the lower quality, not good for the environment products that are out there, um, that would be great. And long term for me, if we could become, you know, a household name, um, I'd love for Grass Racks to be a household name. Like, how do we organize or rack something? That's Grass Racks. Um, and we could, we could start actually changing how, how people view the consumer brand relationship and how companies view their responsibilities as environmental leaders and, and how they treat their employees. I think that would be really cool. Yeah. And if, if we can bring some people on full time, I mean, I'd say, you know, the next, the next few years, you know, I mean, we'd, we'd love to be able to do that and, and to, uh, I mean, to create jobs, first of all, we, we kind of, the cool thing is, I, I forget about this sometimes, but you know, we're, we're, Evan and I are running the, the business and it's a, a kind of a two man show, but, um, you know, the people who are, uh, making the material that we use and the finish and all the things that go into our product, um, they're also, you know, we're paying them and that's helping to create jobs. And, and so it just, helps the economy and i mean that's that's awesome and the more we can do that you know in the next next five to ten years if we can really really build it into something that that just helps a lot of people's bottom line and stays stays true to our mission of of being good you know easy on the environment that i mean that's that's awesome no definitely i i those sorts of things make it so worthwhile to (laughs) bang your head against the wall yeah yeah right yeah Um, so what's the best part about running uh, Grass Racks? For me, the best part is working in a market that I, that I love, that I'm passionate about. And I, I felt that the absolute most, um, I'll kind of never forget this feeling of I, I was a big surfer. That's where I started on all my board sports. And <clears throat> the first time we went to Surf Expo in Orlando and we walked into that convention center and it's just like, Every brand, every surf brand that I that I grew up, you know, loving and reading and about in magazines and um, Billabong and Quicksilver and Roxy and all this stuff, you know, it was like sensory overload. But it was so cool, and I and I thought as we we're going in there to set up our booth in this uh, venue, I thought, man, this is just the cool. This is it. This is the coolest thing ever. This is uh, you know, I've accomplished was one of my life goals and. And still is to just stay in this industry and stay in, in the, you know, the outdoor sports markets and, 
for me, that's, um, that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, that's, that's the same as me, actually. Um, I was, I was fortunate enough to run into, uh, this person recently, actually from my, my hometown. Um, and I didn't know him before he, he and I actually play on a soccer team together now. Um, and I ran into this guy and I was talking about snowboarding with him and he was like, yeah, I just got this cool bamboo rack. And I went, what? It, for your snowboard? He's like, yeah. I went, is it grass racks? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I own that company. <laughs> he was like, you do? I'm like, yeah, that for me, yeah, that was the awesome. coolest thing. Cause we're, you know, we are, we're our customer base. Um, and, and our, our goal is to, to create awesome stuff for, for us, for us is, mm-hmm. um, so if, you know, we get to, we get to create cool stuff that we know helps people that love all the same stuff that we do. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that Andy and I love designing stuff. We love doing marketing. And, um, I think the reason we like going to shows so much is because we just meet all these people that are like-minded and, you know, they love the environment because it, um, it provides, you know, the, the platform for the, the activities that we do. Um, and we get to make cool stuff for those people. Um, and I think we're super fortunate because we have these discerning customers that they look at our stuff and they're like, you guys get us, you know, we want something nice for our awesome stuff our awesome gear and thank you. You know, it's, it's just really cool. It's yeah, really definitely. cool to be, to contribute back to the, the industries that we, you know, we love so much. You know, it's funny. I hear you guys talk about this. I just, I have a, a huge smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> just, just thinking of like, just yeah. your passion behind it. I love it. Um, and it's like exactly why myself and my, my, my two partners started Ready Yeti. Cause we just, we love being outside and getting and doing all the fun activities, right. Skiing, yeah. whatever the hell it is. Right. It's just like, it's, it's a community, right. And it really is being able to help people better take advantage of those activities is just, it's just, it's fun, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and you get to make a living doing it, um, which is one of the best parts of it. So now, for the listener that wants to keep tabs on Grass Racks and all the things that you guys are doing going forward, where, where's the best place for them to do that? Uh, it's, you know, we're most active on Instagram, um, but we also try to write a bunch of funny blogs every now and again. So, um, you know, you can check out our website. You can check us out on Instagram. Uh, our handle is just Grass Racks, one word. It's one word. Um, <laughs> my my autocorrect always wants to turn into two. That's okay. <laughs> everybody, everybody on the planet writes it as two words, but we uh, we have created our own name and word. Uh, <laughs> you know, Facebook, Instagram. We're on all the social mediums. We're we're definitely most active on Instagram. So uh, that and you know, I was telling you earlier, we just got a new camera and microphone. So hopefully, we'll be creating a lot of um, a lot of new video content and stuff with much less talking, but much more action. Mm. definitely looking forward to checking that out and we'll have all that linked up in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow you guys on social and obviously uh check out the site um but before we wrap up i also wanted to mention you guys alluded to this a little bit we're doing a pretty awesome giveaway with you guys we're giving away a rack and a ton of other gear um focusing on skiing and snowboarding including uh, a trip to british columbia which myself and my partner just got back from which was epic <laughs> uh so if you if anyone listening is interested in um uh, entering for a chance to win that you can head over to readyeddy.com before april 24th um and you can enter for a chance to win and with that um 
Evan and Andrew, I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to come on and share your story. I really, I love the passion, the excitement. I'm so stoked to see what you guys do in the future. Thanks, man. We That's appreciate awesome. you having us. Yeah, thanks, Josh. It was it was great to be here. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Ready Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.